morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, Before we jump into things, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time that we can gather together. Worship you. Dwell on your goodness. We thank you that you have spoken into this world so that we might know things that were already plain more plainly. Not only did you speak to us, but you sent your son bodily to be with us, to relate to us, so that we might might truly know you. Precious and holy name. Today, we're in our series Dogma, Doctrine, and Opinion, and today we're going to talk about Revelation. But we're going to talk about Revelation, not the book Revelation, but the doctrine of Revelation, which is the doctrine of God revealing Himself to us both in creation, which is what we call general revelation, and in his word, which is what we call uh, special revelation. So we're talking today, again, talking today about God showing himself to us, revealing himself, explaining himself to us. I think think an analogy that I'd like you to maybe think about as as we go through this is how we reveal ourself to our children. Uh, when we first encounter our children, you know, you have a child born to you, you meet this infant that has literally no capability of understanding anything that we, you say or, or do for them. Like, like Wes said, most infants don't, don't know they need the diaper change, they just know that it's uncomfortable, right? Well, he didn't say that, though. Put words in his mouth. We have this uh, then basic responsibility and reaction as, as parents to that child to, to show ourselves to them. And we do this by physical touch, by, by saying nice things in a nice you know, sing-songy voice. That's why people just inhabit, talk to children in a, in a funny voice. We do this because it, in some sense, it kind of helps them know that we're, we're kind, we're gentle, we're, we're trying to, to show them bits and pieces of who we are. And as they grow older, we show them more and more and more of who we are and, and what we are in relation to each other. And so, you know, I interact differently with Jeremiah, my nine-month-old, versus Elise, my seven-year-old. There's a different sort of uh, teaching there. And God does the same thing. Today we're not going to talk about what we would maybe call the doctrine of progressive revelation, meaning that when God calls Abraham, he doesn't give him the whole picture of who he is, not not at first, but he kind of slowly reveals that. We're not talking about that in particular, but this is kind of what God does with us. He slowly shows himself uh, to us over time so that we can best understand him. Like I said, though, God has revealed himself to us in two different forms, primarily 
two different forms, or we can maybe split that idea up into two different forms is, is maybe how I should say it. Generally and specifically. Generally is what we see in creation. As we look around the world, when we talked about creation a couple weeks ago, I said that it's nearly impossible for any anybody to look at the world, or maybe I shouldn't say nearly impossible because so many do, It's wrong to look at this world and to see anything other than God's handiwork. Than really God himself showing his attributes and his his being in creation. The sun rise and the sun set. The sun set reminds us of the death of Jesus and that rises again in the morning, reminding us of the resurrection of Jesus. Fall, there's, there's death. Spring, there's new life. Birds hatching out of eggs. Is Jesus hatching out of the the tomb? God is all over the place. Not to mention the intricacy of his creation and all the other things that we talked about a couple weeks ago. God has shown himself in in creation. And this is one of those those doctrinal truths that is so evident to to the writers of the Bible that they generally don't just state it. Paul does in Romans chapter 1, so we can turn Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Paul kind of gives us a glimpse of this, and he is being specific here. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, revealed, there's revelation, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So God has revealed himself to these ungodly and unrighteous in the form of his wrath. Wrath here does not mean that God is an, an angry, out of control, vengeful God, but is a just God who is simply enacting justice. But as we, who are, by the way, counted in that unrighteous group of people, uh, as we experience that, that, that wrath, we suppress that truth. And, and I, would, I would maybe pull this just a little bit further, and, and this is why so many people can look at creation and say anything other than God created it. Because they're suppressing a truth that is so evident. Again, I'm not talking about creation this week, but this is part of it. Verse 19, he's, he goes on and he explains it maybe a little bit more poignantly. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. General revelation, that's what he's talking about. The things that have been made so they are without excuse. So I think what Paul is saying here, quite simply, is that there is no person in human history who can say God has not shown himself to me. Because by creation, God showed himself to all mankind. God has revealed himself in general simply by the way he created. By the things that he created. By the patterns that he created. By the the beauty that he created. God shows himself in his entirety. In his entirety. And so they are without excuse. And we might argue this point and say, but there are so many people 
don't know about God, who don't know about, about Jesus. But Paul, Paul, I think, really kind of puts this argument to rest in the next couple of verses. In verses 21, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but because... Uh, but but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And, and what he means by this is verse 23, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and beasts, or in birds and animals and creeping things. So Paul says, here is the evidence, maybe, that God has shown himself in creation. If we study anthropology or the, the study of, of, of cultures, civilizations through history, pretty much every single culture that has ever existed believed in deity. They believed that there was some higher power. Now, they, they split it up different because they suppressed the truth and they became fools. And, 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 and instead of, instead of uh, the glory of the immortal God, they... They worshipped other, other things that they associated or, or, or gave credit to. Credit that should have been rightfully given to God as evidence in creation. Every, and I, I, I would say every single civilization, but I'm not an anthropologist, so I can't say with 100% confidence. Pretty much every single culture that has ever existed believed in a higher power because it is so evident in creation. It's the same that we can say the same thing about, about being in the, created in the image of God and, and having a sense of, of morality. Yes, our morals change from culture to culture, but pretty much every culture that has ever existed has a moral standard that's higher than themselves. It's kind of the mark, really, of God in creation. I said, though, there are two, two different kinds of, of Revelation. God shows himself, and then God speaks himself. Primarily, though, God speaks. And it's in God speaking that we can, without question, understand the vision of God or the visibility of God in his creation. So as, as Christians, as those who, who read the Bible, we, can, we, can, we take the things that God says to us about himself and we observe the, the world around us and we go, okay, there, there it is, obviously. Or maybe more obviously. So we have general and specific. And like persecution, like general revelation, specific revelation is so much saturated into the mind of the biblical writers that they don't necessarily sit down and talk about it. Nor could we really take that to be too serious of an argument for it anyway, because it's a cyclical argument. It's a, you know, how, how, how do we know that the, the word of God is really the word of God? Well, we listen to the word of God. So it's kind of like defining the word definition in the dictionary with the word definition. We don't, we don't, we don't necessarily go to the Bible to get our, to get the, the evidence. We go to the Bible because we already trust the Bible, because the Bible tells us that we can trust it. Following me? God speaks, though, in the Word. God speaks in the Word. And this is actually something that I've never really noticed is so incredibly obvious in the book of Genesis. 
I love the book of Genesis, right? I've said this many times when we were going through our series on Genesis. Genesis is, is if it is not my favorite book of the Bible, it is very close second. And I'm not even sure what would creep in in front of it. I love the book of Genesis. It's intricate. It's beautiful. It's fascinating. And I've, I've never noticed this quite so poignantly before. Genesis, we call it we call it the beginning of everything. We say it's the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of creation. It's the beginning of God interacting with people. It's the beginning of civilization. It's the beginning of, of, of God interacting with a specific group of people. It's the beginning of the people of it. It's just the beginning of everything. But it's also the beginning of when God speaks. We're going to look at a lot of verses, a lot of verses like last week. Today, though, I'm not going to read all of the verses. You'll get it in, a, in just a second. You can turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Or, excuse, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God creates, this is the beginning of things. But notice what happens in verse 3. God said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God speaks into creation. And you know what you know what God is doing when he speaks into creation? He's revealing himself to us. Every single time God speaks in the Bible, every single time God speaks in the Bible, he is speaking to show us something of himself. And we talk about the Bible and we can say the, the Bible, the Bible, we can ask three fundamental questions about every text of the Bible. What does this say about God? What does this say about man? And what does it say about our interaction, our relationship? But we don't ask those questions equally of every text of the Bible. So if you want to know how to study your Bible, right, ask those three questions of every single text that you read. What does it say about God? What does it say about man? What does it say about our relationship? But it's not equal. The Bible is first and always and always and always about God. What does this passage tell me about God? It is only secondarily about man, and it's only about man in, in relation to God. And so really, the second and third questions are kind of the same question. How do I know of, of what man is in relation to what I know about God? So God reveals himself by speaking into creation, and when he speaks into creation, he reveals something of himself. God said, let there be light. And I said a couple weeks ago that you don't have to teach children to be afraid of the dark because it is built into us to recognize that darkness represents evil. It's not an accident that God starts with, let there be light. He's in control of what's the opposite of evil. Good. God is good. And not only is he good, but he's in control of all things that are good. It's the same thing when we get to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's God's. It's why it's sin for man to eat of it. To claim anything other than God is the only one who is good and God is the only one in charge of good is sinfulness. So God said, let there be light, and we learn a little bit of, about God. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Water is chaos. God pushes back chaos. Chaos, by definition, by the way, 
has no boundaries. And God said to chaos, here's your boundary. Because God is sovereign and God is in control. God is good and God is in control. In verse, verse 9, and God, God said. Verse 11, and God said. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 24, and God said. Am I getting, going too fast? 26. Then God said, and, and to throw you off, the start of verse 28, and God blessed them, and then he said. Genesis chapter 1, I said a couple weeks ago, Genesis chapter 1 is not six days of creation. It's about who God is. Again, I'm not arguing that there's not six days of creation. I'm arguing that we better get the fact that God is revealing himself in creation. He's good, he's holy, he's sovereign, he cares about his creation, he's, he's made this space for, for, for his creatures to live in, he puts man at the pinnacle to, to, to tend and to take care of his creation, he cares deeply, God speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks in Genesis chapter 1, and just to give you a few numbers here. I'm in the numbers mood all of a sudden. If you do a, a search of the ESV, and, and I'm, I'm saying that because there's probably more examples of this. If you do a search of the ESV for the phrase, God said, in the Bible, it happens 107 times in the Bible. God said, 107 times. If you search for the Lord said, what Yahweh said, it, hap it's, it happens 275 times. If you search Jesus said, it's 139 times. That's a total the 521 times where there's an express statement that God, or Jesus, who's God, says something. By contrast, if you search, he said, he said, which, by the way, probably includes a good majority of times where God has already been established as the subject, and then he says something. An example of this, if you go forward to Genesis chapter 3, God is already the example. He says to Adam and Eve, and he says to, 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 to the serpent, so God is included in that list, but, but just search for that in the, in the Bible. It's, it's just under 1,400 times, 1,500 times, excuse me. So you take the five to, 500 times that it, that it expressly says that God says it, and then you take 1,500 times, and you just pretend like none of them are God speaking, at least a quarter of the time that anybody speaks in the Bible, it's God. The Bible tells us that God is speaking. He's showing us who he is. Turn forward just a little bit more to, to make my point a little bit plainer. Turn turn to Genesis chapter 6 and, and, and no, not verse 5. My favorite verse of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. Man is sinful. Then and then it says in Genesis chapter, oh, if I get the right verse here. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. It says, And the Lord. And the Lord said, shocker, right? And the Lord said, I will blot out man who I created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. This, this seems like a bad passage to go to because what does this say about God? Right? Again, wrath is not God's injustice, unjustly venting his anger. 
God is completely just in this because just a few seconds ago we learned that every intention of the hearts of man was only evil continually. God is just is what we learn in Genesis 6. But not only is God just, go, go ahead to verse 13. And God said to Noah, he speaks again to Noah. I said to Noah, build an ark. Build an ark to rescue mankind. God is a God of redemption. God is a God who, who saves, who redeems. The flood, the story of the flood is not about God venting his anger. It's about God saving mankind. It's an incredible story. It's a beautiful story. Another one of the reasons why I like Genesis. Go forward to Genesis chapter 12. One more, one more here in Genesis. I promise we'll get out of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. And it says, And the Lord said to Abram. Now we learn that God is a planner. God is a planner. Because Abraham isn't called for Abraham's sake. God says again later that Abraham, I, I, I called you so that your descendants might bless the world. It's not accidental, right? God doesn't, God doesn't start by showing himself in creation and say, oh, they didn't get it, so I better start talking to them. Oh, and they still didn't get it, so I better just pick this. No, God has planned this from the beginning. He is speaking himself into creation and slowly showing us who he is time and time again. Jump forward to Exodus. Exodus chapter chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Moses, he's out in the wilderness. This is who God's going to speak to. Moses, he's out in the wilderness because he's kind of been exiled from his family. He's, he's walking around. He sees this bush. It's on fire and it's not being consumed. He's like, huh, that's curious. So he goes walking over to it. He says, and when the Lord saw that he that he turned aside, that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him. By the way, that's another way of saying God spoke to him. He spoke to him from the bush. Moses said, here I am. He says, he says, he, and then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Again, God is holy, but then God, tells Moses of this beautiful plan that he's going to redeem his people, he's going to rescue his people. God, again, is a God who, who saves and redeems. We can keep going. We could go to, to Moses on Mount Sinai, still in Exodus, where Moses goes up on the mountain and God speaks the law to him, revealing his nature. The law shows us God's nature, his holiness and his goodness. We could go to the times... In, in Samuel and Chronicles and, and, and or Samuel and Kings and Chronicles where God speaks uh, speaks to his kings. Probably one of the most obvious places where God speaks of himself is in the is in the, the prophets, where again and again and again you see the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, revealing himself again and again and again to us. And what's it's kind of interesting if you look at those examples in uh, in in the prophets. It it shows us just how just how much God will reach down for us. Because the people in in the prophets who God is speaking to are man, they're they're really thick. 
stubborn, just won't turn their, turn back to God, even though he's just he's pleading with them. Yeah, and we go, man, I, I just, how can they be like that? But, but we're so much like that. That shows just how far he'll he'll reach down to make us his treasure. So as we think about this, we gotta we gotta recognize that then John kind of explains to us what this means. The word of God spoken into this world. John chapter one. We're gonna come back to this in a couple weeks and I'll I'll get more in depth in this, but it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we look at Genesis chapter one, we see all the times where God said, God said, God said, God said. It's Christ. It's the second person of the Trinity, not yet incarnate. But this is the manifestation of God in this world. This is who Jesus is. Jesus, his, his, his being, his, I, I, don't, I don't like using this phrase, but his, his purpose is to express God into this world, which includes God speaking. And it also includes him coming incarnate, coming in the flesh and being born uh, to Mary and living a life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning uh, with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not not, not without Him, was not anything made uh, that was made. And it was life. Life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. It. The Word is not just it's not just Word, but it's life. It's what sustains us. It's what grows us. It's what cultivates us. It's what moves us. It's what brings us from death to life. Christ, the Word. Turn to Mark. I just have a few more verses, I promise. Turn to Mark chapter 1. This is all four gospel writers. They have their own way of introducing us to Jesus and what he's going to do. Matthew tells a birth story. Luke tells a birth story. John tells us that... that Christ was there at the beginning as the word. Mark kind of lets Jesus define himself. And the first time Mark or the first time in Mark Jesus speaks, John John's been introduced, Jesus is baptized, he's tempted in the in the wilderness and he begins his ministry in verse 14 of chapter 1 and he says and and, and John was arrested. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Claiming the good news of God. By the way, that's speaking. And saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then Jesus lives his life exactly as God does speaking in the Old Testament. Every single time Jesus speaks, he reveals himself. He reveals who God is as a loving and compassionate and 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 good God and then he goes to the cross and he suffers and he dies and he shows us again that he is a God who redeems a God who saves he is a God who saves we could look at so many different things to make this point I don't know what it was about this morning's verse or songs that we were singing, but I just couldn't I couldn't get past this idea that God is Father. 
that he reveals himself to be Father, loving and compassionate. I preached a sermon many, at this point, quite a number of years ago, five years ago or something. It's not really quite a number of years ago. Where I talked about how, how there's times as a, as a dad that you kind of go, oh, that's, that's God's nature, right? That's God, that's God to us. Wes, reading that psalm about changing diapers, is just realize over and over and over again who God is and what he expresses to us. Times whenever you go in and your kids are sick and they just have nothing else but you. This is who God is to us. He's shown us himself to be compassionate to those who are broken. He's shown himself to be good to those who are weak. He's shown himself to be so incredibly loving. And again and again and again and again and again. As we fall short, he continues to show himself to us. And sometimes Sometimes we can be, we can wonder, is, is it ever going to end? When I did the message on creation, Max did communion and he read a passage from Revelation and, and Adam, he's like, did you know that you read the first verse of the Bible? Last verse of the Bible. And so I, I thought, oh, I'll do that on purpose this week. Not the last, but the second to last. We turn to verse 20 in Revelation 22. God says once again, He who testifies to these things says, that's Jesus, Surely, I am coming soon. And we as a church respond. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we... We thank you. We thank you that you did not, again, leave us to misunderstand what you have so plainly written in your creation. We thank you that you have spoken. You have shown yourself word what's more you have shown yourself through Christ as Jesus tells us in John nobody has ever seen the Father until me we thank you that you sent your son Jesus into this world to again make more plain things that were already plain. That as we miss it again and again and again, you strive for us. Lord, we thank you that from start to finish in Scripture, you have told us 
shown us, shouted to us that you are a God who redeems and who saves. We thank you that Jesus did not just come to speak more, but to die and to raise, to eliminate all of our flaws and mistakes that separate us from you with his blood and draw us back into your arms. We thank you for these truths, Lord. We thank you for this book that we can, we can hold and we can trust that your spirit is speaking even still today through it. pray that our hearts would be molded by it, moved by it, changed by it. In the precious and holy Son, Jesus' name.